Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Dynasty Life. I'm Theo Greminger. Redraft ends, but Dynasty is life. And I'm really excited today to be joined by Shane Manila. Uh, if anybody's been paying attention to Dynasty Life, Shane is now the third member of Dynasty Trades in 5 to join me right here. I've had Clay, I've had Scott, and, and now I have Shane. Shane is also putting out fantastic written work at Destination Devi. So you can find him on podcasts, you can find his written work. Uh, you're just crushing it, Shane. How's everything going this offseason? Oh, man, I, I, I appreciate that. Um, great. I say I'm a lot. I, that's, you know, what's funny is I've been doing podcasting for six years. Can't get rid of the ums. Anyway, so no, man, offseason's going great. You know, I, I had that little fatigue for uh, one day, took a break from it. It was like, I can't do this one day. And then the next day you hop right back into it, right? This is what we love to do. Like I, I talk, I end up talking dynasty football literally every day between trades and five uh, you know the, the youtube show whether it's with our patrons our amas in our discord whether it's doing a did it call i just this is what i enjoy you know this is my hobby this is something that uh is my passion so just i love doing it man off season's great it's the hope of new renewals right some people golf others play dynasty it's just it's just it is what it is and I'll say, like, you you bring up a great point is, like, the all-encompassing nature of playing Dynasty, where it's sort of, like, always in the back of your head. You know, it's, it's you know, you're, you're, you're building some of these teams you have for 10-plus years. How often are you looking at your Dynasty rosters is always a question I like to ask people. Like, you're, are you, you know, regularly getting in there, or is it sort of like a, you know them kind of like the back of your head? All right, so it's too much. It's definitely too much so i'm only in only uh 30 leagues uh compared to you know like host scott he's in plus 50 i i can't do that i tried it and i couldn't do it there's some leagues that i care about more than others and i could tell you those teams and there's other leagues where it's like hey i'm just kind of in there and you know it's it's a fine league but it's not it's not really an important one to me like if we were on a, a ship and it was women and children first like those would not be the women and children like i would let them stay on the boat to sink um, so I'm in there pretty regularly. Um, probably no more than two days go by without me being in a roster. And it's most likely once a day, because at least once a day, I'm trying to make moves. And part of it is I'm always talking about dynasty football. Like I said, you know, with the show and then we have a patron discord and we have a trades channel in that discord. So people are always asking about trades and ideas about trades, trades, theories and things like that. So it sparks your mind going, hmm, I have Trevor Lawrence in some league. Let me go see if I can do this. Uh, so probably daily. Yeah, it, it's all encompassing, like you said. It's a, it, it's what I like, though, right? Yeah, I just can't get away from it. Anytime I start trying to do Dynasty content, I end up looking at my own Dynasty rosters. I'm firing away a lot of trades like you are. I've doing, done some trade videos here on Dynasty Life. 
somewhat similar but different than, than what you guys are doing. But I think that that's one thing your show gets a little bit kind of typecast because I think people only know it. Some people only know it as like a dynasty trade show, but it's way more than that. A lot of the stuff you're doing on real dynasty theory and the approach to the, like spe- specifically like the, the approach to the running back position. I love that what you guys do with that. Um, just basically roster management in general, because a lot of dynasty trading is really kind of thinking about your roster and the utility you get. Do you think it all kind of ties together, Shane? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, roster construction is a big thing that we talk about, right? If you do construct your roster in a way where you're going zero RB, well, that allows you to go stronger at wide receiver, uh, maybe quarterback. If you're going hero RB, or, you know, and maybe some leagues, not me, and I've tried it and it's not for me. Maybe some leagues you do go running back heavy. It's not for everyone. I, I can't stomach it. I've tried it and then immediately uh, turned away from that. But yeah, I mean, it's all tied into each other, right? And like you said, it's not just the trading because if you're just trading, there's it's limited how many trades you can make. You know, there's other things you have to do, like grinding the waiver wire. So some of the not fun stuff, I guess, we really relish for lack of a better term um but it's all fun to us yeah no for sure and when we talk about dynasty and we talk about fantasy football in general it's a a sort of like a way of life especially when you get in season in season you know you have waivers you know then you look at your roster your setting lineups and then you're watching your scoring on the weekends get to the off season you know it's sort of like your life gets turned upside down a little bit you're still grinding but you're grinding in a different way but one, one thing that kind of really resonated with me, I live on Long Island, and you had a tweet recently. You live in – you're in Philadelphia? Yes, yes, beautiful you're Philadelphia. In Philly. You're in Philly. I'm in Long Island. I feel like it's sort of a, you know, similar vibes for people maybe listening in, in New York, Philly, Jersey. When you live on the East Coast, you know, there's always things you kind of do every day. It's just your, your way of life. And one thing that you and I both do – you talked about your connection with the guy who works at Dun- your Dunks, your Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, I'm a regular Dunkin' Donut guy. I think I'm in a Dunks every day getting a coffee. What's your regular order in a Dunkin' Donuts? And uh, maybe kind of share what you uh, what you tweeted. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, so I tweeted uh, about uh, the dude in the Dunkin' Donuts basically being one of my best friends uh, for the last two years, even though I have no idea what his name is, and he has absolutely no idea what my name is, because we just talk every day, we joke with each other, we bust each other's balls. He knows, he, you know, we know things about each other. He's a mechanic, and I'm more of a white-collar employee at work, so he always busts my balls about, you know, oh, you don't really work hard anyway, and things like that. Um, but Mocha... It's an iced coffee with mocha and cream. And what's great is as soon as I walk in, they go one or two. Because during the work week, I'm grabbing a large right then and there and a medium for later in the day. Uh, I'm coming prepared. You know, I'm I love it through this day. I need it. Right. And then on the weekends, very rarely will I ever get two. It's the weekends. I need to relax. I only need that first one to get me going in the morning. And yeah, it's habit. Right. I won't say what I do. I, I, I might smoke a cigarette. It's very bad for you if there's any children listening. I don't know why you'd be listening to this, but don't smoke. It's horrible for you. Um, But yeah, I smoke. I I drink my coffee. I start going through my Discord. I go through some of my leagues just to see the comments from the night before. Checking Twitter to see if there's any breaking news. Um, So it's just my my ritual every morning. It kind of sets me right. I feel off if I don't do it. 
I'm a cold brew guy, but they they wrote me in this month. If you're if you're a Dunkin app person, like, and if you're a Dunks person and you're not on the app, like, what are you doing? You're just wasting money. Um, they've roped me in this month with like a, a two dollar iced coffee every day, medium. Can't beat that. So I'm I, I kind of mix it up, but some days I still will will go up for the cold brew. The the two a day thing, that's that's like somewhat of a life hack. Uh Shane, you're really like kind of preparing your day. I like that. Yeah. I do yeah. that sometimes. I do that sometimes. I'm I'm mo- mostly I'll have a like uh something at home, like a, maybe a cup of coffee, maybe an espresso, and then a couple hours later I get my dunks. Um, you know, maybe after lunch, something like that. So it's, but again, it's just funny because uh, that really resonated with me because you see these people in your life that maybe you interact with for a very short amount of time every day, but it's always a positive interaction. You're never like getting in an argument with your guy at Dunks. So it's, it, you build like sort of a nice little bond. Uh, but that one, that one really, really hit with me. And uh, yeah, I mean, and it's true. I like, I see this dude more than I see family members to be quite honest with me, you know, like I've seen this dude probably 10 times the amount of times I've seen my mom this month, um, which I don't know if that makes me a particularly good son. Probably not. But yeah, it depends on how, how far away she lives. You'd have to quantify that for the listeners. I, not far enough that it's okay. acceptable that I, okay, I, now I feel bad. So yeah. I'm probably going to go visit her after this. Yeah. If you were like my mom's down in Florida or something, I'm in Philly. Like we would be like, it's cool, Shane. Don't worry. Don't worry, man. No, no judgment. But, uh, you know, we're, we're not all just like talking East coast rituals. We also got to talk a little dynasty football here. And I have these evergreen questions. I had Ray Garvin on last week. I had Ian Miller on, uh, and I asked pretty much the same three questions. Uh, and they all kind of get people going. The, you guys put in so much work on your evaluations of players, your dynasty startup strategy, your rookie draft strategy, you 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 put. I mean, you don't even want to put an hour number on it because it would be sickening. But every year, no matter what we do, we're still going to get things wrong. Who was somebody who was a huge dynasty disappointment for you this year? Whether that's somebody that you guys were bullish on on dynasty trades in five, maybe you were personally flag planting, or maybe somebody you had a lot of on your dynasty rosters. Yeah, so for me, it's pretty easy because I definitely flag planted on Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And actually just doing a little research on them, Garrett Wilson was actually, I, I don't want to say much worse than Chris Olave, but it was significant, significant enough, two points a game. Chris Olave ended up as the wide receiver 19, which for some people, you might go, oh, that's not bad. It's not where I needed him, and that's not where you were drafting him in dynasty, it's a, right? It's a purg- purgatory score. It's exactly. not, it's a non non mover. It looks prettier than wide receiver thirty, but it's not really different. It makes absolutely no difference, right? And I even looked at the spike weeks. Maybe he had some weeks that that were really great. He had four weeks where he was the wide receiver one, which is good. It's good. It's just again not what we thought we were buying um, when we drafted him last season. When we traded for him, my my hope was he was taking a step into the Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson tier, and if not that. AJ Brown, you know, but didn't happen. Didn't happen. You can make the excuses that the quarterback play was bad, that he led the league in unrealized uh, air yards, which are all true. But a lot of what we see mostly in fantasy is players prove what they are, regardless of the reasoning, reasoning behind it or excuses, as some people might call them. And Garrett Wilson was even worse. And I know his quarterback play was absolutely atrocious. So I'll give him a little pass on that. One wide receiver one week last year. Uh, that's that's pretty bad. And then 12 and a half fantasy points. That's just you take a name, take away the name Garrett Wilson. 
that's not a guy you could trade probably for more than an early second. Yeah, it's it's wild. I actually saw a trade go down single QB FFPC league. Uh, this was a very experienced uh, FFPC player who's had a lot of success. Traded Garrett Wilson and he got the 102 straight up, which I think it's a I think it's a, a Malik Neighbors on that one. Uh, which side are you going? I I still believe in Garrett Wilson. Let me just put that out there. I, I don't disbelieve in Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. It, all the excuses that I talked about, I'm buying into. Just know that they're excuses, though. That if they do come out and smash next year, it's not because of anything that I that I looked at a data point and went, well, that's why. It's only because I'm holding on to them and I still think they're smashing. That said, I'm going to take the 102 there. Couple reasons. Mostly for the flexibility of what I can do with that trade, excuse me, that draft pick in February versus a player. Garrett Wilson, think about players is Garrett Wilson, no matter how many, you might think that everyone likes him, but that's not true. There's people in your league that don't like him. You know what people do like, though? Everyone likes draft picks. There's draft picks because there's no name attached. It's the mystery box. It's the Peter Griffin meme on Twitter, X, whatever. It's that. It could be anything. So I'd rather have the 102, again, mostly for the flexibility. But at worst, you end up with Malik Neighbors, who's the wide receiver 10 on KTC without ever playing it down in the NFL. Sticking with your disappointment, guys, Garrett Wilson, at least we see a little light at the end of the tunnel with Aaron Rodgers this year. Chris Olave, though, we're going to have the same quarterback next year. We're going to have Derek Carr. Uh, we... Mm-hmm. Where are you at on Chris Olave in Dynasty? Because he's a guy that's a little bit polarizing. I've seen some very sharp people pivoting off of him. I've seen some other sharp people looking to try to take on and just double down um, or try to open themselves up to, to more exposure to Olave because he hits the metrics, things like air yards, things like targets. The The role is there certainly for like two seasons, but we haven't seen that explosive year. Year three is tilting though for both of these guys because if we get – another wide receiver two, you know, low-end wide receiver two production, then that's sort of what they are. Year three, we can paint ourselves a picture that they're going to be wide receiver ones, both of them. Uh, and certainly the early underdog markets are reflecting that. Where are you at with Olave? I am still buying. Let me preface this, right? So I play a largely a part portfolio style of fantasy football. Um, and if someone's unaware of that, that means – Basically, I have 30 leagues and I manage like I have 30 leagues. So there's certain players, well, all players, I don't want to go over a certain exposure for two. What's what's your what, and what's your cutoff? Because I talked about this with Scott Connor, and I've talked about this in redraft with high stakes people. When you say I don't want to go over a set number, is your like max 25%? Or do you have a sliding scale for your high-end guys that maybe would require like if you want to think about it in dynasty startups, maybe like your top three round guys. 25%, but if you get down to like the DeMario Douglases, I don't mind having 100%. Right. And my most owned player in Dynasty football is Pierre Strong. Um, because who cares how much Pierre Strong has? Because if he doesn't hit, it doesn't affect me in any way. I cut the guy and move on. And that's probably what I'll do in three months um, when it looks like he's not going to make any head in the Cleveland backfield or wherever he is now. But yeah, I have nine of him. There definitely is a sliding scale, but even still, for wide receivers, running backs, it's probably lower. But wide receivers, 25% is where I feel comfortable. Like, I I went on a Puka Nakua, Chris Olave shopping spree over the last couple seasons. Obviously, Puka last year, Olave the year before that. I got to about 33% Puka. I love Puka. 
I think he's going to smash. But I'm smart enough also to know that there's variance. I'm smart enough to know that there's injuries. And I'm smart enough to know I could just be flat out wrong on the guy. So I want to bring that down. So I brought that down to about 25%. Same with Alave. He's probably about 22%. Quarterback, I'm willing to go a little higher. It's harder, though. Uh, I'll say that. So like Anthony Richardson right now, I have right about 20% exposure. I'd be fine going 30% exposure on him. I'd be fine going 35% exposure on Josh Allen, obviously Pat Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, like any of those three guys, 35 to 40, I could live with. But again, you are risking if an injury happens and you don't have your roster constructed in a way to take that hit, you're going to be in bad shape. You know, and one thing that's interesting, and I've talked to like, I have like a B-Bag Batoba who took down two major FFPC leagues in, in redraft. Uh, I've had Chad Schroeder on redraft. And then I talked to guys like you and Scott Connor and Austin Martin, guys who are really, you know, I'm in about the same as you. I've, you know, 30-ish, shout out to the IRS. We're not going to let you know the exact number. But there's guys who are like 50, 60 dynasty teams. What would be the number where you consider being a portfolio guy if somebody has 10 dynasty leagues should this still apply or is it is a magic number type thing for you shane so that's going to depend on the person right so if me or you cut down the 10 i don't consider that a portfolio style because the amount of time i spend on dynasty i could go through every one of those rosters every day and i could take notes on every league mate that i have every trade that's happened so it depends, right? For some people that play in two leagues, a lot of people play in one leagues, 10 leagues would be portfolio. For me, um, I'd say about 15 is where it goes. All right, I can't remember everything. This is where I got to start relying on things like what's Dynasty Daddy or Dynasty uh, Nerds GM tool to see what's my share on players. I think that's when you know you're a portfolio player, when you start saying things like, I have 20% ownership in Puka Nakua. And that means usually five to six to seven, uh, as opposed to, you know, one or two. So I, I'd say for me, I think it's 15. But it's just, again, it, it depends on the person. Dynasty Daddy is truly an awful name for a product. They should have rethought that out. It just doesn't, you know, something doesn't sit right. Want, wanna, I want to uh, take this question the opposite way, though. Who was somebody that was a huge positive surprise for you this year? In fantasy, and and Puka Nakua is not going to be allowed to be an answer on this one because it's low hanging fruit. Every everybody wants to say Puka because well, it's easy. I think another one that's easy, and I'm not going to hit someone else can. And easy is not a nice word. I shouldn't say that. Tank Dell, that that's a guy that you know. Obviously, he hit. No, I'm going fun. I'm going at a position that I usually trash. A position I don't usually care. It's it's literally the most replaceable position that's probably ever existed in any sport whatsoever. Fantasy sport that is. Uh, tight end, and it's Trey McBride. Trey McBride was, what, a second-round pick the year prior, not last year, the year before that. And, frankly, his rookie season was underwhelming. He didn't do a thing. But he was the tight end one in his class. Um, so I ended up with a lot of Trey McBride on my teams only because, well, I couldn't move him after his rookie year. If I wanted to move him, I'd have to cut him because he wasn't going to garner anything. So, you know, he went in the last year, and I just checked out DLF's May 2023 ADP. He was the tight end 19. I didn't even look at the players that he was behind because just think about 19 tight ends right now off top of your head. I don't know if you could name 19 because there are some bad tight ends. So he was a tight end 19. He ends the season as tight end 10 overall, which even if you just looked at that, you go, 
eh, he outproduced his cost. But what you really need to take a look at is what he did when Zach Ertz went out. Zach Ertz played four games, I believe, um, to start the season. So in the games without Zach Ertz, when Trey McBride was on his lonesome and the coaches had no choice but to finally run him out there and let him show what he could do, my dude averaged 14.95 fantasy points per game. He'd be the tight end one. He had a run of 10 straight weeks where he was, um, excuse me, in those 10 weeks without Ertz, he had nine tight end one weeks. Four weeks he was a tight end three overall or better. Um, he had nine straight weeks where he had a 20% target share or better, um, including a couple weeks where he had 38% target shares. So for me, it's Trey McBride because he was absolutely smashing at that tight end position position towards you. Obviously, after Ertz went out, it wasn't as good when Ertz was there. He was getting no run. As soon as Ertz went out, though, dude, he, you know, he had a couple games to get adjusted, and then he absolutely smashed towards the rest of the year. I love the answer. And Trey McBride right now is like a rocket ship in underdog. He's tight end three. And it's funny because he started out at tight end seven in their like initial ranks, like the you know, non, you know, whatever they their default was. And then every couple of days he just snatched a, a soul, takes Dalton Kincaid out takes George Kittle out. And then I figured there would be resistance, like a real resistance point with Mark Andrews, but he took Mark Andrews out, which was like, I think a really significant thing because the market is, you know, the market's all right there with Trey McBride. And I think it kind of reminds us that tight ends historically made big meteoric rises. Like, you know, a lot of, a lot of them don't produce as rookies like Sam Laporta and what we hope from Brock Bowers is not the norm. A lot of tight ends, when you go like the Jimmy Grahams, George Kittle, you know, you go down the list, Kelsey, they take a little while to develop. So I think that's like another, it's not like a lesson learned because you knew it in Dynasty, but after like Pitts gets a thousand yard rookie season, Fryermuth flashes as a rookie, like you kind of like got a little bit of like a disdain for Trey McBride when he played poorly early on. That's a hard position. So I think that's like a, a big lesson reminder for us as dynasty managers in McBride. And it'll be interesting to see how he does this year because everything's set up for him to succeed again. It's just the expectations are now immense. If he finishes as tight end nine this year, where you're drafting him or where he's valued in dynasty, that's going to be a disappointment. So I think he's perfectly capable there. I don't know if you saw the video this week. He said that uh, his goal this year is a hundred catches and a thousand yards receiving. So he's setting some lofty goals for himself too. I, I so. I, I'm all for it. I got a lot of Trey yeah. McBride. Do it, my friend. Um, and then yeah. what I would be even better than that is in leagues with like 1.5 tight end premium, where there's a premium, but it ain't a real premium. It ain't a real premium to like 1.75, two points. But then I could oversell them or sell them for a high profit when people overvalue in a tight end league. I can't ever just have nice things and go, I'm Trey McBride's going to be on my roster for three years. I'm already thinking about how can I get rid of him. <laughs> That's right. No, for sure. It's it's the it's a constant selling high uh, mentality, even the uncomfortable sell highs. It's a, it's a, it's a way of life in dynasty. Um, and one other question that I just started asking, usually I would wait till summer to ask this question. I stole this question off of Alan Sislowski like a year ago. And it's such a good one. I asked Ray Garvin the other day, if you could know the final stats for any single player in the 2024 NFL season, who would it be? And you can include the 2024 rookies in this as well, Shane, anybody you want. Man, this is a good one. There's so many different ways you can go with this. I, 
I'm going to go with Jaden Daniels. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll go with Jaden Daniels because he's a, he's a guy that I'm really high on. Uh, I have him as my QB two. I don't really do rankings, but if I'm drafting and Caleb Williams is off the board, I'm going to draft Jaden Daniels most likely. So I'd be really interested to see where his where his stats lie after this season. I've heard a lot of not disparate. That's not even a word. I just made up a word, which I do on trades and five often. Um, I just make up words and see if anyone will catch me. Um, there's some disparate. Sure, that might be the word. Views on him, I guess. Uh, there's some concerns that his frame is too slight to be the type of uh, running quarterback, mobile quarterback that he is, which is true because I, I'm sure everyone's seen on Twitter some of the plays where he just gets absolutely murdered and you're shocked that he actually gets up. So he's got to definitely need to play from in the pocket more. Um, but I think he can do that. That I think, you know, you like the rushing ability, you like them having it, and you want to you want a quarterback to use it, I don't know, up to about 400 yards, 500 yards. If you're Lamar Jackson, sure, why not a 1,000? But with his frame, I, I probably don't want him rushing 10 times a game like Jalen Hurts does, doing tush pushes. I don't see that being Jaden Daniels' role. I love the answer because it's sort of like a like Anthony Richardson last year would have potentially been like the the redraft breaker where you drafted him as a QB2 and you would have gotten top five QB numbers. And certainly in Dynasty, you know, managers who took Anthony Richardson in startups would have been rewarded handsomely. And I think Jaden Daniels is right around that same line. He's actually, I think, going to be even more affordable than Anthony Richardson in some of these super flex leagues because of the strength of Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors, where you have not only Caleb Williams – but you have the two incredibly insulated wide receivers. And then you also have Drake May, where a lot of people are really struggling with Jaden Daniels versus Drake May. So you're going to see a lot of 105 Jaden Daniels in super flex leagues. And that could be like a, the kind of the great equalizer. Bring up the rushing ability, 2,000 rushing yards of the last two years at LSU. I mean, he some of his runs are, are just ridiculous um, when you look at this highlight film. So I'm with you. I'm very, very bullish on him. He's a guy that... I want to have, uh, hey, I'll pump it past 25% on, on some Jaden Daniels. We're going to take a really quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into a bunch of player values. We're going to talk a little bit of trading strategy, uh, and we're going to find out which narrative on the 2024 rookie class Shane just thinks is ridiculous. Now, I know many of you are looking for a secret weapon for your Dynasty League, and I have it. It's called the Dynasty Dominator app. You go to the App Store, go to Google Play. It's right there. It's $5 to download, and then every year it's $5 to load the next incoming class of rookies. You can add Superflex, add tight end premium. It's incredible because it allows you to look up players. It allows you to vote on whether a player is a buy, hold, or sell, and then see the market sentiment on that player. And you can compare their lifetime value rating from Player Profiler to their Dynasty ADP at the FFPC, all in the price lookup tool. And beyond that, we have a trade analyzer. So you'll never lose another Dynasty trade again. And in our settings, you can set, this is a win now team, this is a rebuilding team. And then we let you compare players. Look at their metrics side by side. Prospect metrics, NFL metrics. It's all there. It's five bucks in the app store. There's some add-ons for Superflex and to buy the upcoming rookie class. Every year, you're going to spend $5 on this thing. And it's going to be well worth it. 
Welcome back to Dynasty Life. Theo Greminger with Shane Manila. Uh, Shane, we talked a little bit in the pre-show. Uh, you know, I get a little pushback from the community because I talk about single QB dynasty values. And in rookie drafts, I feel like I'm trying to be like bilingual. I'll talk about the 107 versus the 104 and try to like reference the same value. Uh, but you're 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 anti single QB leagues. Talk about that a little bit. Okay, well, let's preface this, right? So I'm not truly anti. I just happen to play in all Superflex leagues. I, that's a lie. I do play in one home league. It's a redraft. It's a start eight. Um, and it is one QB. So there is, I do have that one, one QB league. But Scott and I, one of the things we do with Dynasty Trades and Five is we do roster reviews. And a number of the roster reviews we do are for one quarterback leagues. So I have to respect it and I have to understand it and I have to know the differences. I can't just dismiss it. And actually, I like diving into one quarterback leagues. And this is going to sound probably stupid, but I think anything that expands your brain, thinking the opposite way helps you in another league. Even if I'm thinking in one quarterback terms, I, I still think that helps me with super flex leagues because it's making me dial in on player value. I just think anything that expands your mind is fine. Me personally, this is all a nice way to say, I don't want to be in any single quarterback leagues. When people send me invites for them, I generally am like, do you know who I am? Did you send this to me on purpose? Because I'm, I don't want to say I'm old school, but for the seven years I've been doing content, I've been a super flex guy, you know, even to the, when it was probably 70, 30, the other way. And then 60, 40, 50, 50. And now I think the hardcore dynasty players, it's probably more super flex. But if you want to play, and this is important, whatever league type you want to play in, as long as you have fun, that's really all that matters. I do see sometimes people on Twitter will say stupid shit like, oh, oh, it doesn't matter. Why don't you play in a better league than start seven, eight, you know, eight team leagues? Because maybe that's what they enjoy. You know, no one comes out to you and, and smacks a cigarette out of your mouth when you're smoking because you enjoy it. Maybe you enjoy bourbon. Bourbon tastes terrible. Or maybe you like uh, whiskey and other people don't like whiskey. I'm not going to tell you that whiskey sucks. I'm not going to be like Jack Daniels. Honey is not good. It's not. But you know what? If you like it, cool. Drink it. So if you enjoy it, just do it. Thank you. Thank you. I will continue. I was, you know, I was a little worried. I was going to have to drop all of my teams and just orphan all my single QB leagues. But after Shane gives me those words of advice, I'm going to stick, I'm going to stick strong with them. And I, I'll try, I'll continue to try to mix up the content with Superflex versus single. Uh, I'm going to try to reference as many Superflex uh, questions for you though, Shane, on this one, keep you comfortable. Um, but, you know, we talk about this 2024 draft class and we haven't even had the combine yet. We've had the senior bowl. And I think as we kind of move along, people get more and more comfortable with their takes and narratives. But sometimes the hive mind starts to creep in. There's a lot of like these narratives on this class. Some I agree with some I really don't. Is there a particular narrative that you think is just bad? Maybe the worst narrative about this this draft class. So here's Here's one bad thing about being in an, I'll say an insulated community, right? Most of my time is spent in either the Destination Debbie uh, Discord, the Heisman Discord, or in the Dynasty Trades and Five uh, Discord channel. But we don't really have a hive mind. There's not like one narrative that takes over for us. And I largely try to stay away from Twitter uh, fantasy talking points because I know what they are. 
you know, there's a lot of people that just want to put hot takes out there. There's a lot of people that put out crazy rankings just because they know how to get clicks. Now, and that's not to say that everyone that puts out rankings that are contrarian, like, you know, you look at Debro's rankings. My dude has JJ McCarthy, I think like two overall. But then you hear him explain why you're like, okay, that makes sense. But there are some people out there to just throw out rankings, to throw out rankings, to get some, to get some run. But we were talking pre pregame and we'll say pregame. We'll pretend this is game pregame. We were talking about the running back class, right? The, the, the narrative is the running back class is terrible. It's awful. It's bad. I'll say this. It's not good. And I think it's also more of a function of how the NFL treats running backs now that they no longer are looking specifically for most teams aren't looking for a Brees Hall, B. John Robinson, a Jameer Gibbs, or they know that those guys are so few and far between that you don't put the draft capital into the position and you just draft a couple third rounders here and there and see if any of them hit and if any of them can carry your workload. I think another thing we talked about is I don't know if this is a narrative uh, that the cutoff is at 105. At one point, I thought the I thought the cutoff was at 105. I legitimately thought that's where it goes. I'm ready to kick picks to next year if I can get them. As I've gone further into the draft class, as I've done more mock drafts, if I, as I've done content on this, I realized this class goes down to about 109 before I'm really like, ah, I definitely don't want to make this pick. You know, at that point, 110, 11, 12, I'd be fine making the 201, 202, 203 pick because there's about six, seven guys in that range that I'd be happy with and none that I, I feel convicted on more than the others. I think that's a really, really good answer. And I think we talk about like running back utility. You don't need to have a draft class give you a, a Brees Hall, Jameer Gibbs, Bijan Robinson type to have value out of it. I mean, we're going to talk about the 2022 draft class uh, and, and dive into that a little bit. But we saw like last year how many of those guys in 2022 were able to help our dynasty rosters they all finished as RB2s or better, like the whole the whole class. There was like nine guys that you could have you were happy that you had on your dynasty rosters, at least at some point in the season. But when you talk about your cutoffs, is there a player maybe when we get past Roma Dunze? So let's say I think Roma Dunze right now is the 106, 107 in Superflex. Uh, you know, depending on Brock Bowers or Dunze, call them 106, 107. When you get past those guys. Is there a particular player that you're very into? I know that for me, like I like Troy Franklin a lot. I try to push him up. I think he's going to be a successful player for us in fantasy. I like Brian Thomas. Is there a particular player that that you're sort of flag planning a little bit in the early process? Yeah, so people are going to really, really hate this answer because it's noncommittal as, as uh, all get out. No. Because I hate I hate when people say this all the time, right? People are like, stay water, stay liquid, but liquidity, flexibility are like the most important things to me um, when it comes to dynasty football and roster construction and things like that. I don't really care who I get. Like I said, th there's a range of six to eight players at the back of the first round that I'm fine with getting. And if I don't get any of them, that's fine. I'll move on to another guy. Like I just don't, there's no guy I'm planting my flag on. Now, after the combine, when there's, probably some talk about which running back's going to go first and assuming it's not the dude that tours ACL then I'll probably do some flag playing right we always do find one player even if we try not to be biased that there's one guy that we're like this is my dude this is my dude two years ago it was Kyron Williams and then he sucked as a rookie and he you know and I he was no longer my dude 
um, unfortunately. And then he smashed last year. But I'm sure in another couple of months, there's some random dude that I'm just going to fall in love with. It's probably going to be a running back. He's probably going to be undersized. And I know that he's going to be a pass catcher. So Shane just, just flag planted Bucky Irving for the record. No, no, no. Yeah, I, um, I, I, there's a lot of chatter about how he would fit in the Philadelphia Eagles offense. And, you know, if, if you can't tell listening or um, like we spoke earlier, I'm from Philly. Like I'm, I'm born and bred like my, my accent. I can't get rid of it no matter how much I try. If Bucky Irving comes to the Philadelphia Eagles in the third, fourth round, I'm going to have him in every league. They definitely have him in every league because he is a pass catcher. Yeah. Oh, big time pass catcher. Yeah, that would be, a, I mean, that would be a really exciting one. Uh, Kellen Moore, quick, you know, non, non-dynasty question, but what's your excitement level for, for Kellen Moore with your birds? I, I kind of like it. I like it for AJ Brown. I like it for Devonta Smith. Uh, what's your initial gut reaction? Is it a positive one? Is it sort of neutral or is it uh whatever? Super positive because coming off of what Brian Johnson was last year, and I don't know if it was his fault or it was Nick Sirianni or it was the, the fact that dude's running a Frankenstein offense where he's calling the plays, but it's not really his offense. I don't know what the issue was. All I know is Kellen Moore is not going to have that issue this year because it's his offense. It's his hands off from Sirianni. I'm sure he'll have some game plan talk with the OC, but it's Kellen Moore's plays. He's calling it. Uh, I'm very excited, very, very, very excited because that offense was just so predictable last year. Yeah, and it also, it, for whatever reason, didn't believe in the middle of the field. Uh, it would, it'd be hilarious. Once in a while, we'd see AJ Brown hit on a slant, and me and my buddies go, "Why don't you run that until they stop it?" Because they could never stop it. You know, it was almost a guaranteed ten to fifteen yards every time AJ Brown ran that play. But for whatever reason, the Eagles, the middle of the field, just completely disappeared most of the time. So. I, I'm excited mostly because even though the Eagles offense was top 10, it really was a Figazi top 10. It was not that. Um, so I'm excited to see what it could be. Yeah, no. And I'm, I think it's a really interesting narrative for Kellen Moore because his star rose. Then he sort of had this kind of purgatory year in LA. This is like the rest of his career is, is these next two years in Philly. Cause if this offense goes like completely in fuego, like it could, and they have the consistency and then they do well in the playoffs. Kellen Moore is going to get a head coaching job. I think the kind of the, the the path is there under Sirianni. And then there's also a chance that if Sirianni ends up kind of stumbling, but the offense is rolling, Kellen Moore can end up being your head coach of your Philadelphia Eagles. So it'll be a really interesting one, uh, but not to get too non-dynasty here. Um, Want to try to, we talked a little bit about the, the 2022 running back class. I'll give you one question. Kyron Williams, Rashad White, Ken Walker, James Cook. There are four of them, are, and we'll throw Pacheco in there. Uh, so I'll throw five running backs in. All of these guys are being drafted like inside of running back 15 and higher on underdog. And all of these guys gave us, in Kyron Williams' case, uh, RB1 season, James Cook and Rashad White finished in there. But like Pacheco and Ken Walker giving us solid RB2 numbers, if not low-end RB1 numbers. Of these five guys... Which one would you like to roster the most heading into next year? And which one would you want to get the hell off your dynasty rosters as quickly as possible? 
going to be Kyron Williams, and not just because he he was the highest scorer, um, but he was. You know, I think he was what the running back two overall, something like that. So obviously he smashed, but it was the fact that how he got there, right? Yes, he had volume, he had a ton of volume, but he was also very efficient with that volume. So it wasn't just that he got a ton of work, because if you look at Rashad White, and I like all these running backs, you look at his rushing production. There's a lot of volume related uh production not so much efficiency he was a good receiver as well so i like that what are these five men and these are all guys i like oh pacheco showed us he had a little bit of receiving chops last year this is going to hurt it's going to be james cook and it's be going to be because of real football reasons that dude seems to make one major mistake a game and there's only so long you can do that. Um, he fumbled more than a few times last year. There's a couple times where he let the ball bounce off his hands um, and turn into an interception. It just You keep, keep making mistakes, and eventually they're going to go, you can't get on the field. And that's what they did to him in his rookie season. Now, he got a little bit of a pass last year, so I don't know if that was a change in philosophy or there was just no better options behind him. But but just the fact that he keeps making big mistakes on the field that makes me worried. I, I love I love the answer. Um, let's talk quickly about older wide receivers. You've got a lot of these guys out there. The Mike Evans had a fantastic year this year. Keenan Allen had a really really strong season. Devontae Adams had a good season, but a little wanted a little bit more left desired. Stephon Diggs was like the tale of two cities. Really strong in the first half of the year pretty bad in the second half of the year when you're looking at the older wide receivers dynasty managers a lot of times have a hard time gauging what to do with them the aj pecs always gives you a discount but it's also sort of a warning sign that you don't want to have too many of these guys but let's say you have a contending team heading into next year which one of these guys would you want to go ahead and go get and trade for and which one of these guys would you want absolutely no part of Keenan Allen in the search is the one I want no parts of only because he's, well, are we including Cooper cup in this? Sure. Go ahead. Include Cooper cup in this. I'm going to throw Cooper cup in this. His injury history is really, really starting to freak me out. Um, same with Keenan Allen, if I don't want them. And I guess that's a risk you take with any of the old people <laughs> calling them old people. They're 15 years younger than me, but whatever. Uh, but Mike Evans didn't really have a bunch of injury problems last year. Yeah. Uh, Adams, the quarterback, he's still such a target monster. He's so elite. I, I'm going to guess that the quarterback situation for him is going to be a lot better than Aiden O'Connell and whatever else was there last year. Uh, was that the ghost of Jimmy Garoppolo that was starting for them at one point? Just absolutely atrocious doing PEDs and he still sucked. Like do better PEDs. I don't know, dude. Um, Jimmy G Jimmy G on the PEDs. Who would have thought, you know, it's like, yeah, you, you're right. Absolutely. Get a little better at something. You're also in Las Vegas. You have access to whatever you want. What are you doing, Jimmy G? Get better drugs. Um, so I'm going to go with Devontae Adams. I think his, I think he's the guy that's going to, the, the AJ Apex matters the least for, um, mostly because he was the most elite out of all of these guys. And I think his quarterback situation is going to improve vastly. I'm hoping the Raiders are trading up for Daniels is kind of what my hope is, which was some of the chatter a few weeks back. I think for sure that's the direction they're going to go in where they're going to at least attempt to trade up for Jaden Daniels since he's more likely the third quarterback off the board. 
easiest one to trade for. It would be incredible to see him in Vegas. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see like how, how much he's worth by that time. <laughs> we talk about the concept of re-roll where you have a rookie and then you trade, he performs and it gives you an opportunity to trade back into the draft class. I know you guys talk about this on, on Dynasty Trades in 5. It's a really interesting concept. I've had a Dynasty team recently where I was I re-rolled a Jaden Reed. I traded him for the 109 in single QB. I know I talked to you about that one. Um, I've had a couple others like this. Sometimes, again, like you said, it's not that you dislike the player that performed for you, but it gives me more flexibility with my roster. That being said, I don't want to trade a guy without getting something back that's worthwhile. So let's talk about 2023 performers. Let's start at the top with a guy that is like found money for you and any other manager that has, like you said, 25 plus percent. Puka Nakua gets 160 targets, finishes as a top six wide receiver. You were able to draft him in your rookie drafts as like, you know, third, fourth. It it doesn't matter. He was not a top 24 pick for you in rookie drafts. And in dynasty startups, he was either not picked or picked extremely late. You might have picked him up on dynasty waiver wires. He was just this rare dynasty asset, like a Tyreek Hill that came out of nowhere and is now worth a ton. Where, what would be a pick where if I offer Shane Manila in Superflex, a 2024 rookie pick, what are you getting off of, of Puka with? Uh, 104. 104. 104. Okay. That leaves me in a position where at the 104, I'm either getting one, of, I'm getting one of the top three quarterbacks. It just, I can, there's just, just by math, right? <laughs> Marvin Harrison is probably going off the board. There's a significant chance he's going off the board by one before 104. If for some reason he doesn't and all three quarterbacks have been taken, well, then somehow I just got the wide receiver one of the class. Um, if it breaks down where two quarterbacks go, two wide receiver or two quarterbacks and Marvin Harrison, then I'm also in the position where I can make a decision. I get a choice. I get some say in the matter, right? And that's what I want. It's my dynasty team. I want to make my decisions. I don't want them to be forced upon me like the 105 where I'm just taking the best of whichever five players falls there. 105, you're not considering it with Malik Neighbors there? Is that, do you think that's getting too cute? Even though Malik Neighbors, Shane, prospect-wise, not even mm-hmm. close. No. You think no. that this is a... I think it's a litmus test for how close do you view Malik Neighbors to Marvin Harrison Jr. when it's all said and done as a wide receiver prospect. But or is or am I getting too cute in the sense that we already know what we have in Puka Nakua? We already know he's getting 160 targets, and you would hope Malik Neighbors gets 145 targets as a rookie kind of argument. Is that where you're at? That's exactly it. So I'm a big believer in what you do in your rookie year is going to basically pretend what you portend. I don't know. That might be a word. A couple words today that weren't real words. Uh, that's an omen of what you're going to do in your future, right? So Puka Nakua, 17.6 fantasy points a game as a rookie, as a rookie. That puts him in company with uh, Justin Jeff. Well, Justin Jefferson was a complete outlier, but let's say Jamar Chase, for example. That's someone that he's right, right in line with as far as our rookie numbers. It's an absurd number. It's a number that says this guy is more than likely going to be a wide receiver one going forward. I like neighbors. I like neighbors a lot. I think neighbors is exactly the one B to Marvin's Harrison's one A. And I don't know that the difference is that really that wide. Uh, But yeah, this is one of the cases where I'm going to take what's known. I'm going to take Puka and go, 
I've seen what he can do. If Malik Neighbors ends up hitting two and outproduces Puka, I'll take the L there. But at least I'm sticking to my process. And I'm not just willy-nilly going about like, well, in this case, I'm going to do this. In this case, I'm going to do that. And then, you know, sometimes you do need to take context into it. You want to take Puka's context into it. He still has Matt Stafford throwing to him. I know we keep saying Matt Stafford's going to retire every year. We've been saying it for about four years now. It hasn't happened yet. And I also think you earn targets. And I think that if you're an, uh, an elite wide receiver like Puka is, not that it doesn't matter who your quarterback is, but you're going to be a little more insulated from that damage. Okay, let's talk about another uh, rookie that really shined. And again, a guy that you drafted, if you're playing super flex, he was a second round pick for you. Devon A-Chain, who had multiple top five running back weeks. Because of the nature of the running back position, he's worth more in Dynasty than any of those guys we talked about from the 2022 class. He's somewhere in that RB1 uh, range. For If we do Dynasty startups, he's coming off the board RB6, RB7. Uh, in your rookie rankings. Um, I'm extremely bullish on him. That being said, what pick would you take to get you off of, of Devon A-Chain right now? Oh, Devon, Devon A-Chain. This is a fun one. So I haven't said this word all day, right? But that dude is basically a hammer. Now, he's not going to play 17 games. Um, and if he does, I'll be a thousand percent shocked. But I'll tell you what, in the games that he plays, the dude is going to put up crooked numbers. The dude is going to put up spike weeks. The dude's going to put up RB1 weeks. And not just like low-end RB1 weeks. We're talking about fighting for the RB1 every week. He's still a running back. I have to keep that in mind, right? But if there is a running back I want to buy, there's only a few. And he's one of them. Gibbs being another. Obviously, Bijan, Old Man CMC, uh, and Brees. Um, only a few that I'd want to buy. Everybody else, whatever. I don't care. But going out of my way to buy these players. So 106 isn't enough. 105 is probably what I'm going to need to move a chain. Now, let me preface this. I definitely moved the chain for a worst rookie, worse rookie pick earlier in the offseason. And I hated myself immediately as soon as I did it. And I, I had to talk with myself and said, we're not going to do that again. I know he's a running back, but still respect what he is. He's a dude that's going to put up absolutely crooked numbers when he hits. Fantasy breaker for sure, and definitely an interesting player to to uh, price. You know, one what just curious, Jonathan Taylor. That's a guy where you don't mention him. I didn't mention him. Is he sort of a guy that people should be looking to pivot off of Taylor for like a, a two for one type trade for like an A chain? I think you're on mute, Shane. That is incorrect. Uh- so now it's just like Dynasty Trades of Five. At least once a show, I'm on mute and I'm talking. Look, if you can get anything added to a chain, Jonathan Taylor, take it. I, I don't yeah. care what it is. Because how about frankly, on the flip? How about if you have to flip it around and you're the Taylor manager and you're able to get a chain, but you got to sprinkle a little something on top? Are you still on that? It hurts because I don't like adding and I don't like paying that much for running backs. If it depends on my roster construction, right? I'm assuming this is going to be my running back. This is going to be the running back I pay for. There's going to be one of them. It's going to be him. So, yes, I would add to him. Jonathan Taylor really isn't that special. I, I don't know if that's going to hurt anyone's feelings. He's not what we thought he was coming out of college. It's just that simple. We thought he was going to be basically Marshall Falk, CMC, those types of numbers, the, the absolute needle mover numbers, 20 to 25 points. 
It's not what he is. He's a nice running back, but he's not special. Von A. Chain is someone that can put up special weeks. Yeah, and Taylor gave us it the you know, the thing about Taylor is we have the 2021 season and people hang their hat on that. And also now there's the contract insulation. So I think your window is kind of now. If he has a running back 18 season this year, his value is kind of kind of done in terms of getting you elite value back on a trade. One more interesting player, Rashi Rice. Oh, I'm quick. sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, just real quick. I mean, and this kind of this kind of points to why you should move a running back when they're at their peak. Um, running back one, obviously, in 2021, 22 points overall, 22 points a game. Probably looked like the world was his oyster. But since then, it's just it's just been mediocre. Why, running back 17, running back 12. Like These aren't bad numbers, but they're not what you're expecting from Jonathan Taylor, and they're not what you could have gotten as far as uh, prices if you would have traded them. Let's talk about two wide receivers sort of a little bit on the opposite end of the spectrum on what they did last year and kind of the value swap. Rashi Rice is red hot right now. He's steamed up. He's being drafted at wide receiver 12 on underdog. And I, I like to reference these early best ball prices because I think it's kind of indicative of where the fantasy mind is on Rashi Rice. But Rashi Rice had a really strong second half of the season um, and he had some big moments in the in the playoffs. Now you have everybody sort of, this is going to be Mahomes' number one target. This is certainly his number one wide receiver. Where are you at on Rashi Rice? Like, is this, what what would take for you to get rid of Rashi Rice? Or on the flip side, what rookie pick would you trade to get for him? So I'm cheap. So remember we were talking about the 109, 110, about where I'm like, all right, I'm willing to kick off uh, these picks and, and try something else. That's about what I'd pay for him. If someone's willing to give me what is wide receiver 12 prices for him, I'm gone. So if I can get 105, 106, 107, uh, I'm out. So I'd probably be willing 108 or later. Uh, it would be, but I'm more likely, and I hate giving answers with, with adding context that didn't exist, but I'm more likely to try to use one of those picks, add it to a wide receiver and tear up than I am to use it specifically on someone like Rasheed Rice. I like Rasheed Rice. I just think wide receiver two is basically what he is. A wide receiver two. How about JSN, a guy who we we took last year very highly. Um, you know, he was not he Gibbs and, and Bijan went ahead of him, but JSN was the next positional non-quarterback player selected in, in your dynasty rookie draft, most likely. He had a disappointing season, flashed a little. But it was more like, hey, this is going to be a year two thing. I've had offers to try to get JSN shares in single QB leagues. They're never great. 110, turn it down. I had a 107 offered to me. I thought about it. I had a JSN share I moved along with, uh, gosh, I'd made too many trades here. I, I moved, uh, we'll get back to that one. Let's get your thoughts on JSN. Uh, so. I hate buying in the narrative, right? I hate buying in there. It's not quantifiable. It's it's usually wrong. Narrative is, well, he's behind Tyler Lockett and D, DK Metcalf, two very good wide receivers, you know? Tyler, uh, Tyler Lockett, I think, had like 120 targets last year. Like, these are good wide receivers. That said, if JSN was truly special, I don't care who's on his roster. He would have done better than he did last year. I I just comp, I love comping, right? So I love, but based on statistics, I love looking at, all right, well, what range of players have scored like this in their rookie year? 
you just go look up, look up every wide receiver in their rookie season who scored 8.8 fantasy points or fewer per player profile, 8.8. That's what we're going with. It's not great, Bob. It's not, you know, there's obviously some wide receiver twos in there, some wide receiver ones mixed in here and there seasons, but it's not a lot. You just look at it and, and the odds are JSN is more likely to be less fantasy useful than we had hoped. Um, that's why rookie seasons for these wide receivers are so big. So if I can re-roll, and this isn't to say he's a miss because uh, Scott, Scott Connor, my co-host on DTN5, Manic and Chill, he keeps pointing out to me, reminding me, you're not a miss if you can re-roll that player for another first. So I don't want to call JSN a miss. He just didn't hit the expectations that I hoped for. So I'm willing to re-roll for that 107, which is a more liquid asset than JSN when you're trying to make future deals. 107 in single QB is what we're saying in that one, or are you saying Superflex? Ooh, you're, not getting, you're, not, you're not getting you're not getting i would i would push back you're not getting roma dunze brock bowers right no. now for jsn so like you're 107 i don't think that's happening i think it's more of a are you re-rolling for the troy franklin brian thomas without knowing their nfl uh landing spot um like i think you're a little bit closer to like the 110 in Superflex. yeah and Superflex. obviously i said i would take it in single QB looking at who I did take at the 110. No, no. Yeah. And the guy that I took at 111. No the guy I took at 112 or the guys we took at 112. I don't, I don't feel the need to reroll for any of those guys. I don't. FFPC. It, it, oh, I'll yeah. give you FFPC 107 single QB or JSN. 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 I turned it down. Yeah. I turned down the 107, but one deal that I did take, was I moved JSN and TJ Hawkinson for Dalton Kincaid in the 106. I view Kincaid as this upgrade to Hawk because of the injury and you know yeah. the youth. And then the 106 and, and JSN was close enough. Where are your thoughts on that trade? No, I like that deal. I like okay. that deal. I don't love it, but I like it. I like the upgrade to Kincaid um from Hawk. Even upgrade. Hawk's not playing for a significant part of last year next year. So yeah, I like that fine. Give us a super flex quarterback trade target that you would be looking to acquire. And this doesn't have to be a buy low. Doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be that you could, you could be a buy high, um, you know, and talk about a specific kind of deal you would look to make for one of them. Well, one, I, I'm absolutely in love with Anthony Richardson's upside. So anywhere I can make a deal for him, I am. Uh, if I could trade uh, a quarterback with a different profile, a uh, less rushing yard type profile, a non-mobile quarterback, someone like Joe Burrow, non-mobile is probably not the best way to term that, but a, a quarterback that doesn't run as much, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, if I could pivot off them and get to Anthony Richardson, I'd do that every time. Um, someone asked me, would I even add to Joe Burrow? If it's a PPC league, points per carry, I think I might add a little to Joe Burrow to get to Anthony Richardson. All the risk is on my side, but whatever. I shoot upside all the time, so I'm always going to get risky players. It's not really a buy low. The second guy, it's Kyler Murray. What are we doing, people? QB 11? Like, stop it. Just stop it. You, you know that his worst season was a QB 11, that he's played a full season. Points per game. I, I don't know what he was last year because player profile won't tell me. He didn't He didn't meet enough games. He doesn't have a threshold. But every season that he's played, he's been better than QB. He's been QB 11. He's got a couple QB three seasons in there. I think he has. Yeah, QB 11 QB is the floor. We, you know, Kyler yeah. Murray's never given you less than yeah. QB 11. And last year was about QB eight if he right. would have played the whole year. So I'm with you. Both of those guys are, are, are really 
really good ones to try to acquire. How about give me a, a gross quarterback that you think could get you through this year in Superflex? Maybe a guy that's a little little less, uh, you know, up there, Shane. I guess Baker, right? I know he lost Dave Canales. There's some concern there. He lost what might be uh, Mike Evans might move on. Baker looked, I don't know if good's the word I'm looking for, but he looked more than respectable. And maybe, maybe, and no one's going to want to hear this, maybe Carr with a different OC is going to be able to produce this year like we thought he was going to be able to produce last year. Here's Here's an interesting super flex trade that I've seen. And it's kind of gross. Baker Mayfield and a this is super flex. Baker Mayfield and a random twenty twenty five second, or Drake London. I'm gonna go Drake. I'm, I'm gonna go Drake and try to figure out another way to get my quarterback. Drake yeah, London is the guy that I want to buy. So yeah, yeah. It just looking at the the possible outcomes, a range of outcomes. There, I think Baker's high end QB two. Whereas Drake London, it's still in his realm of possibilities to be a wide receiver one. I still think that's that's in his range of outcomes. Yeah, I mean, I think he could be a wide receiver one this year if if things go well. So, uh, yeah, that's that's one where that's the kind of values people are trying to sell high on these bakers. You're not really seeing a, a sell low. So definitely an interesting one. Uh, how about another tier up? So you're talking about tearing up with a draft pick. Like when you're talking about tearing up in Superflex, you brought up Joe Burrow moving to Anthony Richardson. Any other kind of tear up advice when you're using rookie picks with with players? A guy you'd be looking to try to improve upon that still has some value. Oh, T Law, T Law, T Law, T Law, T Law. That dude is. Um, I don't want to say mediocre, right? He's QB twelve. That's what he is. It's good. It's good. Uh, is it going to win you a title? Probably not. You know, but it's good. Now, T-Law's guy I'm trying to tear up on. Unfortunately, a lot of leagues I play in, everyone thinks similar to this, and they go, well, I don't want T-Law. Like, you, you can add a first to him, but I'm not going to give you Jalen Hurts, even if you give me the 107 in T-Law. You need to give me, like, the 103 in T-Law for Jalen Hurts. And at that point, I go, well, I can just get Jaden Daniels at 103, whose upside is Jalen Hurts, so why would I do that? Um, so that's one thing I would say is don't overpay. If you have one of those early rookie picks, Take a shot on them that they could be the next Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. And I know, you know, look, I know that that's a small, I guess the percentage of chances of that happening are small, but they're definitely in the range of outcomes. One other quarterback, I'll throw out a, a, a trade for you. Justin Herbert or Caleb Williams? Caleb. Justin Herbert or Jaden Daniels and we'll say a random 2025 second. Should be Herbert. So if you play safe, if you don't believe in a lot of risk, probably Herbert. It's it's and, and I'll say this too: it's going to depend on who my other quarterback is too, right? Say my other quarterback is Anthony Richardson. I, I've already got the risk. My other quarterback is Justin Fields. I don't want to add any more risk to that quarterback room. I'm probably sitting tight with Justin Herbert. Non-quarterback question: Give us a couple of players you'd be looking to trade for, and maybe you have completed some trades for this dynasty off season. So this one's going to hurt, right? Cause this is a guy that I have trashed and just have started coming around on. He has a very high Trinity score. Um, and Pause, to explain the Trinity score. Cause Ray, Ray Garvin and Scott Connor, and you guys always keep, and it's a very interesting thing. 
and I like I like I like referencing it as well. But explain that to the Dynasty Life uh, audience. So it's a it's a combination of things. It looks at uh, I believe Yak target share. Uh, I forget what the other thing is, but a, a few different metrics, right? And it bakes in some KTC costs. It, it's basically the catch-all wide receiver score. Um, it's very good. It's predictive. Uh, they worked on this tool for a long time before I got there. Uh, I just got there last year. So it's an awesome tool to use. But basically, it's like looking at a player like George Pickens. It kind of tells you, all right, well, is it did he score 9.8 points last year because he's just not good? Or is there something else there? So his Trinity score was really high. So he had really good yak. He had okay target share. I forget what the third thing is, and that's my fault. Um, but I didn't create the tool. Um, I just use it. It's very uh, cool stuff. Agreed. Yeah. George Pickens is high. I think he's 16 or 17, right right around Chris Olave. Um, and what's interesting, I was kind of just looking at some George Pickens stats because, well, I'm a loser and I was bored last night. Um, he had as many wide receiver one games as Garrett Wilson has in their career. Um, he has slightly less wide receiver one games than Chris Olave has had. I think it's been 17% of George Pickens, roughly. 17% of his games he's finished as a wide receiver one or better which is better than Garrett Wilson has finished and built two points. Uh, Garrett, excuse me, Chris Olave was at 19%. So George Pickens is my buy. I mean, he's wide receiver like 29, 39 right now. It's low. You know what I mean? It's low. He's wide receiver 29 on KTC, as opposed to Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson, who at the high end level, I'm not saying the consistency level, I'm not saying points per game, but I'm saying at the high end level, he produces commiserate to them. I love the George Pickens call. And it's so funny because this was, you know, his rookie season coming off of a major injury at Georgia didn't really have a whole lot of like preparation time. Then finally has a, a an off season where he's healthy and the the uh, production goes way way up, goes north of a thousand yards. Uh, and this is a guy that's only twenty two years old. He's younger than some of the wide receivers we're going to be selecting from this draft class. He's younger than Xavier Leggett, um, but we might be younger than Xavier Leggett too. Uh, Shane, but that's I love the the George Pickens call. I think that's really interesting. One final question for you. This is a dynasty philosophy question. Let's say you have a a bad roster. Last year there was a narrative that bad roster dynasty teams cannot take on Bijan Robinson because, like any running back, your window is very very short potentially. Bijan, for as much as we love him could still give you four years and then decline. It, I wouldn't bet on it, but it could happen. When it comes to wide receivers, though, this is something where they have longevity. So if you have a truly bad roster and you're holding the 101 in single QB or you're holding the 102 or 103 in Superflex and you're in Marvin Harrison Jr. territory, are you taking on the truly elite asset or are you looking to pivot off by taking a a huge package potentially of multiple players that you can take stabs on. You can, everyone's going to listen to this and hate this. Got a dirt bike going by. Yeah, there it goes. Anywho, um, sorry. People are going to hate this, right? Is it a start eight? Is it start nine? Is it start 10? Is it start 11? You know, if it's start eight, well, I need less players to make my roster better. I mean, just, just to put it in simple terms, if it's start nine, one player has a more out, has an outsized impact on that than he would in uh, start 11. So start eight, start nine, which a lot of people play. I'll take Marvin Harrison. That's fine. 
start 10, start 11. My roster's truly bad. Even though Marvin Harrison has a longer life cycle than a running back, I still want to get the haul. I want to turn that into multiple picks and split the assets and take more shots because my roster needs more shots. Marvin Harrison might give me 20 points a game next year, but on a truly bad roster, that might move me from 12th place to 9th. Congratulations, you still suck. I love it. Give us, give us, uh, you know, I, I keep saying uh, this is the last question, but I, I want to do one more. I just had Ian Miller on, and we talked about sell highs that were kind of uncomfortable. Uh, you referenced like guys like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, where last summer, you know, you're diving into them. And we always see this in Dynasty where guys get to a certain value without actually having that fantasy production. Then you also have certain guys like a Trey McBride or CD Lambs that have hit that production, but we're selling them at a peak. Who would be a guy that maybe the community get really angry about you saying, but you would consider selling high on? Jamar Chase. Wow. Shane, I'm pissed now. I got me, you got me fired up right now. Tell me, explain this one <laughs> away. You ruined the rest of my day. So Jamar Chase, uh, I know the narrative is that he's the wide receiver too in Dynasty. And that's, I mean, that's what he is in the rankings. But is he really that much better than C.D. Lamb or Amon Ross St. Brown? Um, if I could get absolutely anything added to those guys, is he that much better? I don't want to say Puka because Puka's done it one year. But let's say C.D. Lamb. Let's say Amon Ross St. Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown. I didn't say his name correctly. A.R.S.B. There you go. Sun God. Sun, name God. Sun God. That's even easier. If I could get him plus anything for Jamar Chase, I'd smash that in an instant. Um, Jamar Chase is a, a really, really, really good player, but I think he's a tier below Justin Jefferson, and we don't recognize that because he did smash at you know 21 years old or whatever that is. And you would take the 101 Marvin Harrison Jr. single QB over Jamar Chase, or is it sort of a no, nah, I'm going to need something plus, you know, it's got to be the plus. I don't want you to think that I'm just selling Jamar Chase for any old thing. I'm not going to trade him for AJ Brown straight up. I'm probably not trading him for ARS Beach straight up. I need something added. All the risk is on my side when I'm trading him for Marvin Harrison. His profile, and I know he's been hyped since he was like three years old um, in preschool, that he was going to be a monster wide receiver. But until he does it in the league, he didn't do it in the league. And I know Jamar Chase has. Best three-year-old wide receiver I've ever seen. Oh, geez. It, was, it was unbelievable. It was ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yes. Just yeah. jumping over high chairs. It was amazing. My my four and a half year old played flag football last year. We we it was it was you can't imagine the the touchdowns are all like eighty yard touchdown runs. Yeah, um, yeah it's or great. The, or the or the kid runs into the scrum. It's nothing nothing better than yeah. that. But Shane, this was so much fun. I know I told you forty five minutes. We're at an hour ten. Uh, thank you for being so generous with your time. Let everybody know again where they can find you, where they can follow you on Twitter, where they can find your written work, and when you guys are dropping podcasts. Um, so you can find me on the YouTubes at Dynasty Trades in 5. Uh, we have videos coming out. Every Tuesday we have a live stream. Me and Scott Connor do Mannequin Chill uh, once a week usually. If you become a patron, you also get our AMAs that we do on Thursday nights. Uh, we also do a Monday morning drive that I did not do this week because we are off and there was no drive. Um, you can find my writing at Destination Debbie. 
Um, pretty much go to Destination Devi, sign up for the D5 tier. I think that's it. I don't know. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Dynasty Trades of Five or Destination Devi. Yeah, and this was this was a lot of fun. Thanks again. Um, stick with us here at Dynasty Life. I have some really, really fun guests lined up for March. Curtis Patrick, Ryan McDowell. Uh, and if you don't, you like listening to Shane, we're going to be hitting a lot of the same topics, a lot of the same big-time dynasty strategy. We want you to become a better dynasty manager. We want to help you crush your rookie drafts. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you soon. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.